What's going on, world? Welcome to the Double Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double Up, and we're here to connect perspectives. Today, we got another special guest in the building, good brother of mine, Daryl Reynolds, is going to be joining us for a conversation and really telling his journey. Brother grew up in Philly, made it to playing D1 basketball in a championship program like Villanova, then went on to play some professional basketball overseas, and now he's working on becoming a published author. And so we're going to dive into just everything he has to offer and share it with the audience. Let's tap in. People are going to play this because it's Lil Wayne and Travis Scott. You know what I mean? And they had, like, an opportunity to see what name recognition does in the industry. Like, with Khaled and them was coming up, it was no no streaming. Yeah, you know, it was no... It was still CDs and shit. Yeah, it was no internet value. And so... Not no, but it was just picking up. Because Soulja Boy, that's what made Soulja Boy. True, internet. True, true, yeah, true, true, true. But I mean, Cali coming up as far as him being young. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like the 90s. Oh, that like rough shit, That okay, type yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, so he got to a point where he like, no, if I get these number names on my album, the clicks and the streams, yeah. it's going up no matter what the song yeah. is. But I can get these niggas, it can get these niggas a blank disc. They gonna at least click it once to see if these motherfuckers actually rap. Like, nah, for real, cause I am. <laughs> nah, that's real shit. One hundred percent. Well, who was the, the 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 rappers or the musicians you came up with? Uh, it's funny. I was talking to my pop about this last night actually. To waste my Nas and Jay Z, and, and for me it was more Jay Z. I resonated mm-hmm. heavy uh, with a lot of what he said. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I remember like the first time I heard regrets and like. That nostalgia, like I still remember that moment. Like, like I, I told you, I'm in the film, so like I know what that scene is in the movie because mm-hmm. that's how it felt when I first heard that. So for you, you will visualize a scene or a scenario based off the music rather than a scenario for the music. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, kind of? No, they they go. I mean, they go hand in hand. They the, the visuals and the audio go hand in hand. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's being stimulated. So, for me, it's I just remember that euphoria from my childhood. And to me, the only thing not not the only thing that gets me closer. That. That's that's terrible to say. Not the only thing, but one of the things that gets me to that point is getting high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you smoke weed, it's just like. Things become you feel like it's like oh the lights seem to glow a bit better you know what I mean I'm lost for that yeah, yeah it's like like if you were editing on a computer it's like turn up the saturation turn mm. up the vibrance turn up the mm. brightness like you know what I mean and, and it does that to all of your senses but there's something to be said about the time we felt like that before we knew what getting hot was and that to me is euphoria mm. in your childhood it's that feeling of the feeling you get when you get really high today and you feel good when you're high. Yeah. But at a time where your body didn't know what that was. And good or bad, that song, for some reason, when that beat came on, I, just, I, I, I had just moved down to Maryland. But I was, mm-hmm. moved, I was living in Maryland with my father. I was on the 
bus home from middle school and this this corner it bends and then it kind of goes into these woods and as we're bending the corner it's a gray day out this is like the towards the end of october it's getting a little chilly uh and i'm on like the middle of the bus and i have an mp4 player <laughs> remember that <laughs> shit MP4s, yeah everybody was just like fuck it it was terrible and shit it was the wild west back then uh, uh, um but I, I I had downloaded his first album. That was one of the mm-hmm. first things I downloaded on two there. That was my my first one, and I had heard a lot of the songs before because yeah. I had been in the car with my dad. And then that, and then that regrets beat started. Like it was just it was the only other beat to me that's the only other beats that are that '90s in rap are like that. It ain't hard to tell by Nas. Mm. And unbelievable by Biggie. Like mm. when you hear those songs, it's like this is the fucking nineties, and uh, and that's almost like the definition of hip hop culture in that era. I think that it, it's it's important to understand where hip hop came from, yeah. and how the people in New York, especially, they saw it and they knew. All right, where are we gonna take it next? What sound? Is really gonna set the culture yeah. for what 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 hip hop is, but kind of what Black American culture is. Yeah, dude. bro, that shit, this shit like dictated. You know what I mean? Like uh, Nas said in the song "Last Real Nigga Alive," he was like, "Rap became a version of Malcolm and Martin." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that shit. It really was like, who are our leaders? And mm-hmm. the, the motherfuckers took out all the political ones, so niggas was like, "All right, we gotta mix the entertainment," but. You see what they've grown into, and it's 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 if anything, they've grown into roles that were bigger mm-hmm. than the Malcolm and Martin. Mm-hmm. The control that they have, the power that they have, both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, both Nas and Jay Z. Um, it's shit and Biggie and Death. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but it's just like I said, I'm, I was born in '93. You know what I mean? You know what the '90s was? It was a it was a, it was an interesting time, um, and the, the the music always kind of documents the time and the feeling of it. It was just very to me. I call it wondrous. Like I remember like being a kid. Like, I grew up in Philly. I told you. Yeah. So I remember like being a kid and like you know being downtown a lot. Cause my daycare was downtown. My mother's job was downtown, and like we were in the middle of the city a lot. And it was just I always remember like looking up and like like I said that high feeling. Like some of my yeah. earliest memories have that around it. And that was what the 90s seemed like. You think of the media that came out around that time and the way that mm-hmm. animation and real life was mixing with like Space Jam and shit yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The 90s really was this like interesting, wondrous, damn, what's, what's next type of mm-hmm. time. But there was like a, there was a, there was a glow around it. There was a, there was a magic dust kind of around the 90s too. Um, that to me, if anybody can capture that sonically, I love it. But, like I said, because I was born in that time and because I couple those visuals um, with the music, it's just, it, uh, that's always how my mind has kind of looked at it. Like, my mind is, I, I need the music to almost, I need one to paint the other. Mm. There is no, it's no point of having one without the other, you know what I mean? Like. I just started getting back on fucking TikTok. I'll show you. Straight up. I need to get my TikTok right. Yeah, bro. I was like, you know what I said? So this, this is what I said, bro. Because I kept trying to measure up like how to do it, how I'm going to go about it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put this shit out that I have, that I want to have. And if people like it, then they'll like it. And if they don't, then fuck it. <laughs> but at least I'm, I'm getting, at least I'm not just sitting on a bunch of work. Yeah, like yeah. So I do these videos 
with this 360 cam. Oh, that's fire. The music set the vibe with the scene and, bruh. Bruh, that's fire, G. So with the 360 cam, it's, it's, it's almost creating a vibe and making you think about being aware of your surroundings. Fact. That's what I'm getting from that. Fact. It's, it's not just focusing on what's in front of me. It's literally bringing the whole scene and, and making me tap into that. Yeah. Just this peripheral lifestyle. It's not just peripheral vision. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too deep into no, it. No, 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 bro. When I like, see that, that's what it make me think of. Nah, bro. bro that's what I, I want. So here's the thing. I don't want to like tell people what they should get from it. Mm. I just want to put it out there and it's yeah. like, you tell me what you see. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I've realized, bro, like, motherfuckers be calling themselves creatives. Like, there's a difference between, like, creatives and artists. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. and, and there's a difference between motherfuckers that's just copying trends. Break, break that down. Huh? <laughs> I mean, I know what the copy is. Yeah, yeah. When you say creatives and artists, what you mean by that? Like, like, all right, to me, like, you could be a creative in the sense of your, your, like, you're efficient, you're proficient at graphic design. Mm -hmm. You know what graphic design, you know what the science behind yeah. graphic design is. You know what's gonna hit. Exactly, yeah. because you know the psychology of it. Mm -hmm. But then you have the people that are in graphic design because they are artists and they, they, they became skilled in it to illustrate mm -hmm. graphic design. You know what I mean? And, and it's I like, think the difference between that too is the artists may not have the the consistent things that everybody loves, but he gonna drop that one classic, or maybe two, three all the time. That you gonna be like, bro, just express. And 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 to me, that's what I love about. We talk about those type of songs. I talk about hearing a certain type of truth in those songs. That's mm -hmm. what it is. like. I there's a truth in his music that resonated with me from a young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh, the beauty of it is, as artists, true artists to give so much of your truth that it resonates with other people, even if it isn't theirs. Like, I gave, I gave an example. Lil Durk has a song called 248. Four, I don't think I know that one. Like, Castle that. took it as Molly World. I don't need drink for it, but I think they fucked the bottle, girl. Yeah. So he got this song. I, like I told you, I, I listen to, to Lil Durk sparingly. I, I like him as I like his character. I think he's a great dude, but I can't sit there and act like I listen to his music religiously. Yeah, yeah. But this is my shit. <laughs> Just the way it come in all villainous and like dark. Mm -hmm. He talk about losing five niggas in one summer. Mm -hmm. He talk about having words with his auntie. Mm -hmm. He talk about stepping away from his day ones to give him time. He talking about culling his bitch. Like, he's talking about so much shit in this song, and none of it appears in my life. Yeah. But I can tell this nigga is telling the truth. In the same way we were talking about 42 Gun, it's like, you hear this nigga's voice and sonically something that you registers. Yeah. I think on a deeper level, especially in music, 
sonically something resonates with you, you're like, yo, this is the fucking truth. Mm. Like this is real. Like mm. like a part of us will always know what's real and what's fake yeah. on a deep level. We could try to cover it up and bullshit, and you see how much bullshit is out there. Right, like, right. <laughs> like people know a phone. You know, people know phony when they see it. Mm -hmm. So for me to hear music that is so much of someone's truth that they don't have to necessarily be talking about the shit that I'm going through, but mm -hmm. for some reason when I hear them, I apply it to me. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's what makes Drake so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like. Either he's the best liar ever, or like seriously, <laughs> best liar like ever. either he's like the biggest con man ever, and it's just like you almost got to give your hats to, to like, being that good of a yeah, con man. Yeah, like, this nigga's like fucking uh, uh, Mr. Ripley. <laughs> seriously, if he's a con man, he's like he's like the talented Mr. Ripley. He said it. He kind of joked about it before, so that would be a hell of a twist. But um, there is something to be said about that nigga just getting on the track and saying some shit, and everybody being like. I feel this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. real. It's yeah. a vibration. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, I'm that's what's, that. what's so crazy, G, is that music, to me, is the most powerful tool to man. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's literally tapping into frequencies. Yes. That's the reason why when you hear certain musics or people hear certain notes, mm -hmm. nigga, the hair is on your arm raised. Yeah. You can feel that chill down yeah. your spine, G. That shit's real. That's not just no <laughs> made-up experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's real life. And so to know that you can wield that and you can almost be able to influence people to do things positive or negative, yeah. bro, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's real. You know bro. what I'm saying? Growing up in Philly... I'm big on, on, on rap, G. So, like, I loved the Young Gunners, bro. I loved Benny Siegel, Freeway. <laughs> and then, of course, when Meek came out, I was mm -hmm. fucking with him. Nigga, I was fucking with this battle rap scene, Reed Dollars. Oh, hey. like, I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> nigga, I was on all that, G. Hey, nigga. Real shit, bro. And so, like, yeah, you, 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 you hit, you know Reed is. Oh, me, nigga, bro. <laughs> Niggas, guns like the Matrix, they reload you. Nigga. <laughs> So hey. <laughs> when I Philly, 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 I'm stepping up to the center with that all black Beretta. Oh, maybe put some better, yeah. Hey. And I got my blade too. The one that was on Predator, like yeah. nigga. When yeah. I tell you that shit came out, and it was like, it was almost like it was like a soundtrack to recess. We was in school. <laughs> we were still young. We was because so, I was born in ninety. Okay, so okay, bro, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. We was young If I was a kid, you yeah. was a kid. Yeah, like, bro, yeah. like, we knew every fucking word to that song. Because that's like when YouTube started to pop mm -hmm. off. But yeah, man, Philly, listen, Philly's rap scene is amazing, but I'm not going to lie. It's that, that soul is the backbone. Soul. Soul, like, like R&B music? I think Jill Scott, mm -hmm. Gamble and Huff. It's Floetry? Uh, I'm not tripping. I think so. Floetry, uh, um, The Roots. I don't roots. know why I know that. The Roots. Oh, so, the so, roots. I'm, so I'm from South Philly. Roots. So yeah. like... The Roots and, and Beanie Siegel and them from South Philly. Uh -huh. um, and that area, how proud it was during that time of the early 2000s. Like we was, like I said, we was kids, like around that era. It was huge, bro. Growing up in Philly, like you have a, I'm not gonna say a different appreciation for music because everybody has one. Like you have one in Detroit, nigga, it was the home of Motown. You have uh -huh. one in New York. It was where jazz like found itself. You know what I mean? Like uh -huh. you have one in Texas. You got like, everybody has a unique scene, but Philly's uniqueness was like I did this kind of like soulful um I don't even know how to describe it like I don't even know how to describe like it was a it was a different level of um it was a different level of like 
have to feel it. It's like the whole thing was like, because Philly is so authentic. That's authentic. That's authentic. The city. Yeah, it was like, I, I want you to know how real this yeah. shit is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, outside looking in, I used to feel that same type of connection because yeah. St. Louis is a similar city. You know, it's so just just it's full of culture, yeah. but it's also full of poverty. Yeah. But then on the flip side, literally like it's streets you could drive up where it's a rich side and it's a poor side. And my homie, he he from Philly, and he told me the same thing. He's like, "Gee, nigga, it's some streets in, in Philly, and you hit a couple blocks, you be like, hold the fuck up, yeah, I need to hit a U-turn." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm right, saying? Yeah. And so I say that to say, I don't think that the experience. Is always so different yeah. when you're growing up in these major metropolitan cities, mm-hmm. even on even on both sides of the tracks, because it's no black person I ever met whose whole family out of poverty. Yeah, like er- everybody, like aunties, cousins, grandma, grandpa, like ain't nobody grew up in poverty. I don't. Are you the first? <laughs> I just say, can you say that? I can't. I'm about to say. And so, like, we all, we all connect with that. We all yeah. understand it. And, like, I ain't grow up just just poor. Yeah. I grew up, my people's was in the projects. Yeah. They moved out into the suburban, like, the first time they got Section 8 in the city. Yeah. So, our Section 8 was nice. I ain't going to fake it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that shit was nice. I and so, it. when we staying out there... I grew appreciation for what it means to come about a poverty and yeah. respect people that went another route, that didn't have to hustle, that didn't have to gang yeah. bang. Because I saw, nigga, you, you went to jail, G. You, you, you got pulled away from your family. Yeah. Or a couple of the homies got smoked. A couple cousins or loved ones died to the streets. And so that, that vision and observing that, it, it shapes you, bruh. So for you... I know basketball, that was obviously a love for you. Mm-hmm. What what was something that was was motivating you to change the situation? I mean, to keep it a being with you, I didn't start playing ball until I was like 15. Straight up. Yeah. So it wasn't, it's funny, and I, I think that, I think that's so much of why I am who I am today, because as much as I love ball, and that's why I'm like getting back to it now, that's why I'm getting healthy now to play again. Um, because I realized like how raw and authentic that love was for it. It kind of took these past couple of years of now nah, it is the this just make the heart grow fonder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it made me realize how much I really have to play this fucking game again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't who I was. It wasn't like I didn't know who I was outside of it. And I think that was the only time I've struggled in my life with basketball is when I was so, when I was in a situation. Oh, one second. I was in a situation that didn't allow me to um, express that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. To call it what it is, like I, I think, I feel like I'm looking at this picture of Kobe on the wall. Um, I don't know if I told you, me and him went to the same high school. You went to Lower Mary. Lower Mary, yeah. bro. I went so, to Lower <laughs> Mary. Hey, don't say that humbly, man. <laughs> no, I went to where the goat was at. My goat. Yeah. I, I love MJ. I love LeBron, obviously. Yeah. But Kobe, but man. Kobe. But Kobe. But when I would listen to him speak, I understood this man understands himself outside. This is before I went to Lomar. This is as I'm a kid. Because we moved into the school district in my junior year. So it wasn't like it was in the plan. Wow. But before I had ever, before that had even, ever even came to uh, uh, fruition, I was fascinated by him because when I would listen to his interviews, rather than be post-game or like when he would do interviews, I understood 
he wasn't a shallow basketball player. He's not, because a lot of athletes, that's how mm -hmm. I viewed him. Like I told you, I was in the arts. Like, yeah. not on the wild shit, but just, I remember like watching movies and like watching Chappelle's show and like yeah. watching all different types of TV. And like, I would like watch weird, like not weird movies, but like, I was like 11 or 12 watching like Ocean's 12 or shit like that. Oh, not because, you know, it was partly because it was just on TV, but like I was interested in like, how do other people do movies? Like I know with Friday and motherfucking yeah. The Wood and, and, and Love basketball, or you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Let me let me let me get a let me get an eclectic taste for this shit. So I would watch a little bit of everything, and I was I understood what I wanted to do in life apart from basketball, and it was this movie mm -hmm. shit on some level. Mm -hmm. um, but then when once I found basketball, I was like, this is it. You know what I mean? This is the thing that gives me confidence. This is the thing that gives me um, 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 reassurance in myself. This is the thing yeah. that. Quite frankly, like you were talking about, gives me a, a way out, and because I could help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but most of all, it was a, a certain amount of peace. You know what I mean? Like I remember playing. Like I just I wasn't thinking. You know what I mean? As I look up at that book that says "Think Black," um, I wasn't thinking. You know what I mean? And, and as a person who can overthink, it was nice to find something that was meditative mm -hmm. as basketball. Getting um, the flow. Exactly, getting that flow state. It was a lot of my life. I've been an overthinker. It wasn't until as recently that I really got a handle on it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a lot. So when it, the basketball was meditative, I, I I loved it and I obsessed over it. So I got that's why I got good fast enough to go to a college like Villanova. Yeah, um, I can't believe though, bro, that because let me get my ages right. Born in '93. Yeah. So that means that you was about. Eight, seven, or eight when Philly was in the finals, bro. Yeah. With AI, yeah. yeah. Was you too young to really appreciate it, or was you just like, I still want to get to football or something else? Some other sports was more interesting. Uh, that's right. I was, that was, I think I was, I was eight when I played baseball. Um, I'm not gonna say I appreciate it because that would be that's cat. I was aware of it. Yeah. I was. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't understand what was going on, and I wasn't in the sports enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean to really grasp it. But you was. You, I was aware of it. But like I said, I, I lived in South Philly, yeah. so I'm from South Philly. And I say that because that's where I spent the most time in the city. Uh, we moved all over, but I, I claim South Philly because that was the longest six years, the longest time I've ever been in one place in my life. Yeah. So in South Philly, um, the stadiums are 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. So like. We were aware that like, oh, the Sixers are good. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to games like, like they're good. Um, and AI was larger than life. The way I was aware of it, the, not to say the way I was aware of it, the way I was tied to it was his shoes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the shoe his game. Shoes. Yeah. The shoes was crazy. I got this fucking fight behind them shoes. What? <laughs> shit, bro. Shit, somebody got chocolate milk on. I whooped his ass. Because <laughs> my pop told me, don't bring these shoes back fucked up. You know uh, what I mean? So, so I that's like, what it really was. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you was like I gotta see yeah, my pops. You gotta yeah. see me. Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. This is a chain at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Whooped his ass. So when you got into basketball, would you say that somebody like Kobe let you know the work that you had to put in? Or did you just feel like, all right, if I want to be great, I can't just rely on my, my height and my ability? Was, was you already tall at the time? Uh, so I was going to the high school, I was like 5'10". And then by the end of my sophomore year, I was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so I had like a crazy fast growth spurt that kind of, you know I mean? It kind of shook me up. Um, 
I was ass. I was terrible. He said I was ass. I was uncoordinated. Uh, okay, um, so you like I got in the gym. Yeah, I was not in shape, but it was. I was like a fucking dog, like 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 in a fucking dog park. Like, you know, you ever seen a dog get around other dogs and like all they want to <laughs> fucking do is just go? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just want to fucking run and jump and yeah, like yeah. that was me. It was just like fuck it, I'm running, I'm I'm with my people. You know what I mean? I think I think that was I think for any young person when you find a group that you belong to, mm -hmm. uh maybe not in personality, but for me it was I'm good at this and they're good at this and I'm making them better at this mm -hmm. and they're making me better at this and fuck it, these are my people. You know my what tribe. I mean? This is my tribe. Mm -hmm. um, to a degree. It's a lot of ball players I did not fit in with. Them niggas is fucking shallow. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was fortunate enough to go to a high school and a college where I didn't have to deal with that shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, there, there was certain times in my life where I had teams where it was like, fuck all these motherfuckers, like, I can't stand, like, I would fucking good. That's so you play AAU ball? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all filling the gaps, but high school and college, um, those guys were solid. You know what I mean? Those guys were solid. And in Poland, I had two Americans on my team, and they were solid. You know what I mean? A couple of the Polish dudes were cool. The, the rest of them, fucking nuts. <laughs> the rest, I said the rest of the European dudes. Um, but anyway, was it, was it ever... A thought to go to another school, or was Villanova like the dream school coming up in Philly? Fuck no! I mean, like, like, I mean yeah, 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 I wanted to go. It to was like that. I wanted to go to Temple, bro. Uh, first of all, I just want to take a second to thank. Am God. I trip? Hold on, I don't mean to cut you off. But Villanova is in Philly, right? Yeah, yeah it's okay. right outside. It's a suburb. Gotcha. Um, as I call it, the fucking. It's a Philly school. We play like a Philly school. We the first on the fucking floor. We the toughest. We fucking win. So it's a Philly school. You know what I mean? But. I get it. It, it. It's you filling out fucking mail when you put Villanova PA, not Philadelphia. It's, <laughs> yeah, in ten minutes you're you're in technically in the city. Ten minutes down the road, but gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I get it. I, get it. I thought that would have been like just dream come true type shit. So no, bro. It, what it was was I was aware of them because right around the time I really started taking ball serious, uh, that's when the, the two thousand nine uh, Final Four run was, and. Um, Scotty Reynolds. Mm -hmm. I was I, I was fucking weird because I'm like, this guy's name Reynolds too. Because uh -huh. of. <laughs> Congrats. Um, but no, I wanted to go to Temple. My grandmother went to Temple. My uncle went to Temple. Uh, they are right smack in the middle of the city. It's an artsy school, so I mm -hmm. knew that part of it would be stimulated like a lot of like great graphic designers. But it's also, it has a, a good business backing too, so they mix the two. Like for gotcha. example, there's this studio in Philly that opened up like in like the mall in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. It has like these multi these it's a multifaceted studio space, like podcast studios, recording studio, multiple oh. recording studios, oh. art studios, dance studios, uh, uh, meeting rooms, an uh, open floor, live nation stage called Rec Philly. That's on and, the, that's on the campus. No, this is this is this is um, what the fuck is it? This is uh, in the middle of the city. Yeah, like in like a prime district in the middle of the city, gotcha. but these are temple dudes back gotcha, in this, gotcha. you know, like with the two partners when I went to IEP, when I went to Temple, but like it's Temple back, here. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and to me, it was just Temple was the perfect blend for me in that way. I could be in a place where I could get in touch with the arts. Like I looked at the kids from my high school that went there, yeah. and I realized, oh, it's that type of school. Yeah. Um, 
And thank God for those times I get saved myself because what ended up happening was at the end of high school, I didn't really have a lot of offers. Like I didn't have good offers. Like I think Timber was like, you could be a preferred walk on. Delaware had offered me like yeah. Hartford. And I was just like, I, I can play at a higher level than this. I yeah. know I can. Was you killing in high school? I was, but I didn't play AAU a ton. So I, that, 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 that killed me. You know what I mean? I yeah. didn't realize the game had changed at that point. That's important um, for like a lot of young boys to understand that even though you are talented yeah. and you, you might be putting up the numbers and yeah. all of that, college basketball, getting recruited to these high-level schools, yeah. it's a lot that go into it. Yeah, you got to get seen. You got to, you, if you, it's like you're a fish, you got to go where they fucking fishing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, you know, we talked about TikTok. I was, I'm doing all this fucking work. Like, I don't want it to pass me by. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, do it now if you, if you have the energy and the time, which I did. I just fucking hated my AAU team. And, and yeah. just, Bitching about getting ready for high school. It's like, you know what I mean? Step outside of yourself. Look at the bigger picture. Like, fucking TikTok is big. That's why it's like, all right, nigga, get back on it. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. figure it out. But yeah. anyway, I'm saying that because I, did, I, I had missed the ball several times with basketball, mm-hmm. with shit like that. So I'm trying to make sure I get it right this time around. Um, but yeah, I didn't really play AAU. We had a great high school year, uh, my senior year in high school. We went to the state championship, lost to a loaded Chester team. They were just better than us to call it what it was. But my high school made it back the next year and won. So it was like yeah. a great story. And when mm-hmm. it's time to do the movie, you know who's doing it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was Lord Marion. And it was dope. You know what I mean? It was... It was, what, was, was Kobe around at all? No, but he congratulated him from afar. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? He just, that was... That point in his career, you know what I mean? 2012, 2013. Oh, yeah, 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 it was up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... It was... It was... This was kind of like... That was like the... That was, that was the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, after those two championships. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro, I just, I just really wanted to go there. And then I go to prep school and I wanted to go to ASU. My father was out here. I took an unofficial visit. Um, And then it was my last four schools of Villanova, Utah, Seton Hall, and South Carolina. And it really came down to South Carolina or Villanova. And I just, I had a conversation with Coach Wright and I understood he understood life outside of basketball. Yeah. And like I said, the same reason I wanted to go to Temple to understand that and have a balance. I was like, it's something I need to learn from him. Yeah. It's, some, it's a lot that I can learn from him. This is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like playing for, for Coach Jay Wright? Oh, for me, he's he a legend. I think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. He is. Yeah. But he already in there. Already in Hall of Fame? Yeah. I didn't know they did that. They did this year, this year. Uh, so they, get, they they put people while they're still active in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Like, like Kyle Perry's in there. Uh, what's his name's in there? Or Coach K. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you, you know what I mean? You, you get enough done, they're going to they give you flowers while you're here. That's you know what I mean? I, I think that's pretty dope how they do it. But yeah, he went in this year. I was still, that's not I was still in these shows. I went up to Boston. He was up there. It was crazy. Is at the museum. Um, but shit, you know what I mean? Like, look at like, at the end of the day, I look what his what look what he's turned into. You know yeah. what I mean? So to me, it was I need to learn things from him, and I learned a shit ton. Yeah. And then when I got hurt, and I went back to coach on staff. I learned even more. It was like I think I learned more in that fucking year than I did in the four yeah. when I was a player. You know what I mean? Because of the the relationship and the the, the understanding of certain things uh, on both ends. Um, was it ever times where you was like playing him was hell? I, I, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, yeah. like, oh my God. like I know we put him on the pedestal sometimes when we 
afar. Yeah. And yeah. was you ever like in a moment with like, oh shit, this Jay Wright? Bro, I was, about to, I was about to transfer, bro. <laughs> like real shit. Like I'm not, I'm not even joking. Like he was you no know, playing for him is 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 challenging. Yeah. Um, and the, the health thing was obviously a joke. Playing for him was very challenging. He challenges you. He he's not. There is like once he steps in between those lines, there is no off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dig it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to be. Extreme. That's how you want a championship. Exactly. But exa- exactly. So I say all that to say, to me, it's all good because we're prepared. And yeah. I, it's funny. I was on campus. Malik Wayne is in the position that I was in after I got hurt. He just retired from ball. Not just retired from ball. He retired from ball a couple of years ago when he was coaching. Now he wants to get in the coach on the college side. He's yeah. in the position that I was in once I got hurt. Um, and me and him went on campus talking about it. And he was like, yeah, but it ain't shit out here I'm not ready for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when he said that, I was like, all right, I'm not crazy. Because mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Me and one of the walk-ons, Henry Love, my man Hank, like, we talk about it the same way. Like, we, you, you get out in the world and you have a different edge about you. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, you really can't. You really can't like negate that that separates you from the rest of the competition because you understand how competitive shit is. Mm. Um, but while you're in the middle of it, oh my god, it was torture, bro. <laughs> it was torture. It was just like twenty four seven. This shit does not stop. Is this was this conditioning crazy? No, no, no. We we, we did conditioning through playing, so it wasn't. Okay. That was the thing. Everything was strategic. It wasn't like I'm just gonna grind you to grind you in the sense of your bodies, but mm-hmm. like yeah. in the sense of your patience and your ability to keep your composure and and like it was almost like a it was almost like a you remember that fucking scene in Kill Bill you ever seen Kill Bill? Yeah. Remember when she was with the dude, she she went to the the, the teacher with the motherfucking the long eyebrows and the long jaw and she was punching the motherfucking wall. Yeah. And he was trying to get her to punch the wall until she didn't feel it no more. Yeah. Like that's what that that's what that shit was. Mm. It was that. Mm. Was that? Uh, and like, obviously, you get to a point where it's like you punch them up and you don't feel them more. But like, you saw all this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, that, that was that. If I had to sum up the the Villanova uh, basketball experience <laughs> as a player, and not just from him, like yeah. you know, what I mean, there's an added pressure around the school, especially because mm-hmm. when we get there, is the first year of the conference realignment. Uh-huh. So now Coach Wright goes from being one of the dudes in the middle of the pack to being. The, the elder statesman in the sense of who has the longest tenure here because all these coaches start shifting and changing and all this stuff. So it, was, it wasn't it was the Big East anymore. It was still the Big East, but it was the, the Catholic Seven invites Butler, Xavier, and uh, Creighton okay. to the Big East. And Syracuse is in the ACC yeah. and Cincinnati's in the AAC. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody, which is the conference temple is in mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody kind of got shuffled around. But like I said, it was a very, it was a transitional time. Yeah. And I didn't realize, like, oh, shit, we're stepping into open territory. Yeah. And in the first year, we win the Big East tournament. I mean, mm-hmm. we win the Big East championship, we lose the Big East tournament. But then we go to the NCAA tournament, losing the first round. Yeah. And the second year, we win the Big East uh, championship, and then we win the Big East tournament championship. Yeah. So it's like... All right, this open range is uh, not so open anymore. Right, right. <laughs> and and like I said, we kind of saw as the popularity of the school went up, yeah. as the popularity of coach went up, as the popularity of the brand of Illinois basketball as a whole went up. You start to understand, like, oh, if we don't perform, mm-hmm. this is fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, not and not because, not because you, you you're quick to give people what they want, and then you compete for the sake of competing and winning. 
but you can't deny that your losing gets turned up a bit more. That people, and then what really started to happen, well, senior year, it was amazing that we won fucking 32 games with this shit being the feeling all year. But then what turns, what then what happens is people start looking at you as their championship. So now every time a motherfucker <laughs> yeah. plays you, yeah. they're, they're going after, this, this is their Super Bowl. Their this is their Super yeah. Bowl. Mm-hmm. And like I said, what, what Villanova showed me was, it showed me how to win mm-hmm. and keep winning. You know what I mean? And, and, and there was a, there was a uh, armed forces nature yeah. to it around there. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because mm-hmm. like I said, it, it don't, there's nothing I'm not. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. I don't want to keep saying that too much and trying to invite challenge. No, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as like being confident in your mental fortitude and your ability to get through things like this injury, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If, if nothing was proof, it was this injury. Like, you know, I was talking to my mother about it and she was just like, this happens. Some people, they gain 100 pounds and give the fuck up. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, that's not to pat myself on the back. That's not to look down on them. Mm-hmm. I, I pray to God that those people find that strength and the, you know what I mean to kind of brighten up the, that light in themselves to get back on track uh, but as far as like self-starting you know yeah. what I mean and mental fortitude go like yeah. you'd be hard pressed to find a nigga who could go through this mm-hmm. and be like alright fuck what we doing next you know what I mean yeah. and don't get me wrong there's been like some hard days there's been some hard years yeah. <laughs> in between like I'm just now coming out of that like funk that that shit that this shit kind of had me in but as far as getting shit done in the process of holding shit together, like, yeah. and still helping people, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I got that done. That's that's life experiences, because once we we go through shit that really pushes us, and we stand up to the moment, yeah. now it's almost like we got some inspiration equity. Yeah. So, like, when we get in another situation, you're like, bro, I don't got to think about somebody else to inspire me. Some shit I did myself inspires me yeah. in this moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so... For, for you to talk about how Villanova just prepares you for things and challenges as you experience playing ball, like, that's 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 what you expect, not expect, but that's what you appreciate most yeah. from the college experience is those lessons. Yeah. And... Because it's on after that. It is, dude. Like, it's on. Like, it's like, yo, you... you I, I always say, like, we on the board, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, the game, like, the game always going to be played. The game yeah. was being played when we was kids. We just... We wasn't in it yet. You get out of college, you on the board. You know what I mean? So it's like, like it's like you have to, you have to go. You know what I mean? You don't realize it at the time because college got some some big moments. Like I played small D two football when I got to the league. Like walking out in them stadiums and hearing that crowd and the big third down plays, like all of that. That shit is like for for you. What what were some of them moments that you can remember where you was just like, damn, this this big time college basketball. The first one was Syracuse. Syracuse? My freshman year we at Syracuse. I heard, I heard just about the carrier dome. Just. Oh, my God. <laughs> so where, and you know they don't fill up the whole thing. It's only like one-third of it. Really? Yeah. It's like they don't, there's like, there's like a curtain. It's like a whole floor on the other side. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. And for it to still be that big, it's crazy. So we go, we're out there, we're warming up. And our breaks would be like, I think it was like 13 minutes, eight minutes. That's when we would like go back into the locker room. I think like 13 minutes, eight minutes was the last time for we really go out on the floor. Um, and then in between that, from there to like an hour before, it was just like people going out in groups and warming up. We had like a tape schedule. Like it was very regimented. That's yeah. what it, that's what, that's what Villanova gave me, a regiment. It showed me how to 
structure shit. You know what I mean? To get shit done. Like I said, it felt like the armed forces. At <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. It toughened me up. Um, Cause I needed it. But um, mm-hmm. we go out at 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. We go back to the locker room and pray. And then we go back out. I want to say around like 11-ish. Yeah. 11-ish. Um, and then we go in at 8. And it was kind of like empty at eight. Like I remember thinking like, you know, I thought there were more people there. There was a storm there before though. So we were like, um, oh, maybe people got slowed out. Yeah. So when we go out, we go in the locker room at eight, we come back out in like five minutes to start warming up. The moment we come out the locker room, go back in the tunnel, we go out in the arena, there's like a buzz. It's like a hum. <laughs> yeah. like, a, like, a, like the building's like, like vibrating almost. Yeah. And it was almost as if they didn't let people into the stadium until that last one. Yeah. <laughs> because when we went out, you couldn't hear yourself talk. Like if your teammate, like as far as we are, if you're a coach, it was that loud. It was that loud. It was like the like like we're sitting on the floor and the floor is like vibrating. Like it was like fucking ridiculous. Like that was I didn't play that game. I had like a fucking DMP. Like or oh, I might have got in for like two fucking seconds. Like, yeah. I was a freshman, like, and I didn't. I should have registered that year, <laughs> for real. Because I, I did, I, I, I did not sniff the floor. Um, but I remember, like, yo, this shit, this shit is live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, like this, this is this, shit I saw on ESPN. Yeah, like, boy, this like. Is nuts. And uh, we lost that game, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my first one. Uh, and other thing, Lula would tell me just really, like I said, like I didn't play as a freshman. It taught me. The power of process. Mm-hmm. So as a freshman, I did not sniff the floor. Mm-hmm. As a I know that had to be tough because you might have seen oh some other guys God, in the class doing some tick yeah, or making I mean, plays. And it wasn't I've always that was kind of all that was also helping me excel in basketball, not worrying about the next guy's process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I knew like I I thank God I was I was I had that I think that's my parents. My parents were big on like focus on you. Mind your business, do mm-hmm. your motherfucking work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um so I was very big on like, nah, just lock into what I got to do because I can't. That's all I can control in that sense. Thank God for them for that. But um, it was difficult in the sense of I just came off of killing in high school and then I was in prep school like wow. Like, I was yeah. in there averaging like a double-double. Like I was like, I averaged double-double on the season. Like I was yeah, like yeah. killing and then to kind of come to a screeching halt like that was like, man, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah, I don't know, hurt. bro. Like, yeah, what I'm going to do out here. Yeah, yeah, that shit hurt. But I was, to call it what it is, I was just behind the curve. I was not, the position that I had to play at Villanova was different than what I did in high school. Yeah. How hard you have to play in college versus how you play in high school. Yeah. It, was a, it was a different, you know what I mean? It was a different gear that I did not have yet. Was there some guys who was like in front of you that he was just like, yeah, yeah. he got it, he got it right now. Like I see why he balling. Um, yes and no, yes and no, yes because yes they knew the system, no because to me is that is just my mindset. Like that's not me being delusional. That is truly how I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's what realistically helped me excel was the idea that. I don't give a fuck what you know. Yeah. I know that if you put me in a situation where I have to learn something, I'm going to learn it. Mm-hmm. And once I learn it, I'm going to be better than anybody who does it. You know what I mean? Like, that mm-hmm. is just, that is how I think. Like, if it's a skill, unless it's something that, like, time really separates, mm-hmm. um, which it does, experience does matter. But, like, if it's a, a matter of me just really honing in on it versus the average motherfucker just honing in on it, like, I'm going to excel. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I still had a fucking attitude. It was like learn, sit back and learn. That's real talk. That's real talk. Cause that's that's a moment when you gotta you gotta humble yourself. You gotta humble yourself. I remember sitting behind a guy in college who I knew damn well was not better than me. Yeah. But again, he was a senior and yeah. he knew the system and yeah. coach felt like he could trust him. And, yeah. And, and with yes, yes, and, and with, it's funny because you say coach said he could trust him. I, that's that was the word that I would hear a lot too, mm-hmm. but. <clears throat> then I started to understand as I started to play how important that was and how that kept me on the floor yeah. when he knew what he was getting out of me and he knew what I was going to do and it was it was it was a known thing because sophomore year I was playing and then um we started conference play but you know what I mean yeah. um and it's because certain guys developed certain ways there was a lot of factors but I think what those team things taught both of us is it was one of the first times of getting my ego crushed in the sense of this is about getting everybody there. Mm. This isn't about getting me there. Yeah. And I tell I tell younger players that all the time. You gotta mm-hmm. understand the coach's job is not making you the fuck happy. It's fuck not. you. you know what I mean? <laughs> like like, like for real. To my little brother's that. Like. like his job is to his or her job. Sorry, is to make sure that the team wins mm-hmm. because the team wins, they win. You know what I mean? They don't get paid if the team is losing. They get fired if the team is losing. So it's like, once you kind of like, but but try to tell fuck, a fucking 19 year old that. Are you serious? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else thinking it's going to be different. Yeah, it's like, it, it was one of the first kind of gut checks and like, this is reality, motherfucker. Like, it is not about you. And as athletes, you're kind of taught that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're, you're taught that everything should serve you. Because what it is, is, and you're talking about people getting out of those situations, and it's funny how it's going to play into this NIL shit. Watch the horror stories that's going to come from this shit. But you're talking about these situations where these kids are able to help their families. And for some kids, you have the fucking thoroughbreds whose pops or moms or both of them were athletes and they just came up in it and they had money. But more times than not, you have a bunch of people saying, this is our shout out. And that's what you have, like, you know what I mean? In the inner city in St. Louis. Like, mm-hmm. shout, shout, shout out Baby James. Uh, you, you know, know Baby James? Yeah, yeah, bro. I told you, I all played with him in Poland. Nah, that's crazy. <laughs> shout out Bashan High School, man. My yeah. pops went to Bashan. That's probably one of the top programs in the country to me. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Nah, it, it, it really is some great basketball coming out of St. Louis. Like, you see what... Bradley Bill and, and uh, Jason mm-hmm. Tatum are doing in the league. Like y'all, y'all, y'all got St. Louis ha- has a lot of people's respect. You know what I mean? Like it's it's y'all known to do y'all thing. Y'all do y'all thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Through and through. But I, I just had to shout out Baby James because okay. like that Shoot, was like legend in the city. Bro. I heard, I heard, it, I, I believe, it. I heard it enough. I heard it from enough people to believe. It. I believed it when he told me. But like it, that's dope to hear. Like people really know who that is. I say his name. But he was nah, for real. He was yeah. thorough as shit, bro. Like he really like you want to talk about like looked out for me overseas in the mm-hmm. sense of like like I ain't have a car. I'm like two cars on the team. Like they gave him the other two Americans. And, like he would like pick me up and shit. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean like he was he was he gave me game on shit. Like he was like a player coach for me over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I, my career over there. It was funny. He was in practice one day. And he straight up was like that motherfucker gonna make so much money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he was just like he got all the tools, but mm-hmm. he like coached me up to show me how good I could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, shit, I'm gonna keep it a bean. He was a better big man coach than the fucking coaches at, at, at Villanova. Like as far as like 
how the game was really being played. Like mm-hmm. the used the little like nuances of the game. Yeah, yeah. Like Villanova taught me a lot of like the mechanics and the science of it, but like he taught me about the feel of it. You know, yeah. he taught me how to feel the game out. They, it was that, that's what it was. You know what I mean? Like. You know, I'm such a novice to basketball. Like, I play basketball. I can hoop now. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I'm from yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, 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 but just the strategy and just, like, yeah. I never realized there's times where offenses is trying to overload the defense, trying to get a two-on-one, trying yeah, to, like, yeah. just those little plays yeah, inside yeah. of the game. it happens so fast. It happens. So you don't even know it's strategic if you're watching from the naked eye. Yeah, yeah. That's why like, you just see somebody get open. That's why I can tell you. I'm like, I'll be watching ball with people and I ask what they think of certain things. Like, that'll kind of give me insight to, like, or how far does they knowledge go on there. Because if it's certain things you can see, like, this is happening on purpose. It's like, you almost know it. Yeah. You see it. Like, but it's a different thing to, to get the experience in it, like, you know, actually live it. But you have to know how to not be thinking. Mm. And then, and, and he, he reminded me. I'm not gonna lie. I lost a lot of confidence at Villanova. Like I said, didn't play freshman year. Sophomore year, played halfway through. Junior year, played a key role. Started some, uh, started some games. Senior year, started and was kind of like, you know what I mean? Like I was like the worst starter. Call it what it is. Like I was like the guy that kind of offset it. Um, and but thank God we had some great talent and you know some dudes who went to the league. Who was our best top player at the time? Josh, Josh Hart. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, Josh was like. At the helm, um, Jalen was figuring it out that year. So by the end of the year, Jalen was the second best. But uh, in the beginning, it was looking like Chris and um, Mikel was figuring himself out. Eric, Dante, uh, we weren't deep. Um, uh, Phil was hurt, uh, so we weren't very deep. I think we, we were seven deep that year. And we paid for it over time. Like I had injury, I had injury going into the season. And got to be aggravated right before the Big East tournament. Like it was, you know what I mean? It was yeah. a uh, it was a weird year. <laughs> it was a weird year, but like I said, to win 32 fucking games, like, you know what I mean? After just a dog fight. And then it was like I said, every, that's our senior year, everybody, because Josh is who he is, yeah. and Villanova is who it is. Everybody and their mother are like, these are the motherfuckers we're making our name on. And you felt it because every fucking game felt like a loss. You know what I mean? Because. Mm-hmm. Of just how like relentless people were coming at us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to only lose four of them, you know what I mean. I would say that was a pretty fucking successful year. Not for but, real. What, what was the what year was the championship year? Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. But I say all that to say, through all of that success, I lost my personal confidence. Okay. Baby James helped me be discovered. That's real shit. You know what I mean? So that's real what I'm shit, bro. I, that's that's the culture from St. Louis, man. I ain't gonna yeah. lie, bro. I like that. That's the culture because we we really come from. An environment where you gotta catch a vibe with somebody, yeah, and you gotta be real with them off the jump, yeah, just to be able to read them, yeah, bro. Because if you're real with somebody and you get that vibe back, then boom, now we can start building, yeah. If I'm real with you, I can immediately see if you're being fake with me, yeah, and then I know how to move accordingly. But if I'm fake with you, yeah, now nah, it's like it, it can go either way because yeah. you get pulled into whatever wave somebody got going or trying to hop on and, and just see what you can win out of a True. opportunity, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I think that that's, that's a common thread for, for people that really come from the city and come from that, that nature, you yeah, know what I'm bro. saying? So, like, what, what, what was overseas ball like, bro? Because I know a lot of cats is, is 
skeptical of it, but then some cats is like, nah, G, you gotta go do it. Like, yeah. what, what was your opinion? Man, on? I fucking loved it. Like, <laughs> gosh, bro. And it's like, and that's part of the reason why, like, I fuck with him and Siobhan, Siobhan Lewis, man. Shout out C. Uh, and Fee, Fee's still over there on the women's team, but that was like our little like crew, you know what I mean? It was dope. It was a girl and a girls team. It was uh, uh it was C, it was you know C and Siobhan, uh, James, and it was me. We would like cook sometimes. We go over each other's houses and shit. Mm-hmm. Like it was dope. Like it's, it's a little bit of Black Seinfeld over there, motherfucker. Is that <laughs> but uh, but nah, it was it was very nice. First of all, Poland was uh. A very scenic city. I think being from Philly, not so much out here because you don't see it, but mm-hmm. being from Philly, uh, what it was in the early like 1700s, 1800s, and the fact that some of those buildings are still around, mm-hmm. you appreciate that European uh, architecture yeah. a bit more because it's, it's prevalent. Like you look at City Hall like that, mm-hmm. there's something in France that looks exactly like that to identical yeah. to it. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of that pulls from Europe. So Poland being what it was during World War One and Two, like you have a different appreciation for seeing it. So it was a beautiful city. I mean, it was a beautiful country to me. Um, way more fresh. So they don't let the bullshit and their food to be let over here. Mm. Um, their, their water and their air is clear. You know what I mean? They don't have major, major highways in certain, and a lot of this, uh, the country. So it wasn't like polluted. Even mm. in the cities, like they were just, they were responsible people. Mm. I guess is the best way to put it. They, I would say they remind me of Midwest people mm. when I was out there. Um, one of the bonuses was their currency was three times less ours so i would go and rack up on something that says 16 lattes and yeah. then i get back you know look at my wells Fargo what happened is six seven dollars you know yeah, what yeah. i mean so it was like oh shit you know oh, my, my money stretches living over here, yeah. yeah exactly my money stretch I'm, I'm eating better and my money stretches like did, they, did they pay y'all in something that was equivalent to american pay or was it just- yeah i mean they they pay you they have their number which is their currency but once you down. Once they route it to your bank, it shows up with American dollars. But I'm saying, like, was it like this would be good money for a Polish player, but I don't want this for American money. Like, I mean, yeah, no, it was so that everybody was like breaking the bank, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't one of those years because of what my college career was. Mm-hmm. I had to, you know, we talk about humbling and stuff. I had to understand, like, bro, you have to work your way up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you think you like same way with, like I said, same way with high school and college. Like, it was almost like a prep year. Like. Yeah. You gonna have to work your way up, dude. Like, if you mm-hmm. want more, and we would be patient. Yeah. But you gotta go get more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Be in a place where they're still looking, but be in a place where like you can realistically move up. That's what they were prep school to me. That's what uh, that year in Europe was because the plan was to come back, join the G League, and work my way up to the league. Yeah. Um, and it was already like I did the Sixers summer league when I got out of college the first time. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, let's do it again. You yeah. know what I mean? Join the, the Delaware Blue Coats and try to get myself in the Sixers mm-hmm. uniform. So, but through all that planning, Poland was the first time I really learned how to be present and how to appreciate the moment. I got over there and it was quiet. Uh, I just got out of a relationship. Um, I was alone, you know what I mean? Because shit, you got a two bedroom apartment, but it's like nobody's ever here. I cook for myself, everything is like on my own. But those times of being alone, I think especially for young men, I don't know if young women go through this as much because I'm not with every young woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I know for young men, I've talked to enough of us to understand that there was something to be said about a man having time on his own to figure himself out and, and figure out what he wants out of life and how he's going to get there. Um, 
and what he's willing to sacrifice to get there. And just a, just a moment of being real with yourself and Potent was there for a year. There was books in there that the guy who stayed in the apartment before had left in and they really helped me out. They were really on time. Um, I got back in my Got back in touch with my faith, started practicing Islam again while I was out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Poland was a year where it was just like, all right, everything that's happened, it happened. What are you going to do next? Um, and it's funny, I came home charged up as shit, yeah. and then the injury happens. But Poland was, Poland, you was my euphoria and shit. Like, Poland was one of the best times of my life. Man, man. Poland was the best year was- of my life as far as far as enjoying it you know yeah. what I mean like not growth but like the year I enjoyed the most like yeah yeah you definitely find yourself when you are completely removed from what you was programmed to yeah. think what life was gonna be for yourself yeah like I grew up in St. Louis bro so I went to play in Canada for a year I was okay. in Montreal and so just to think about that it was never a point in my life growing up where I envisioned myself living in the streets of Montreal, you know what I'm saying, where they having goddamn baguettes and goddamn <laughs> some shit called poutine for breakfast, bro. It's like... How'd you like it, though? I loved it. Bro. I was about to say. I loved so it. So my, my, bro, my brother's up there. He's in Toronto now, but oh, he yeah, played yeah. up there, man. He, he was in London, too. Uh-huh. Went over there to see him. I like Canada. It's dope, bro. Yeah. I tell everybody, I'm like a Montreal ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go, G. Gotta go. I like that. It was, a, it was like a time where I was alone, G, because yeah. I, I was trying to make football work and, and figure out how to get back to the NFL and I, I really fell in love with with my own space, dude. Yeah. I fell in love with just knowing that I'm in control of my destiny. Yeah. There's things outside in life that you definitely can't control, but I can control my decisions and my reactions to everything. Facts. I know if I get up and go to practice and I put in work and I grind, I'm going to end up playing and things yeah. like that if I party all night and <laughs> I just kick it and I did that results. you know what yeah. I'm saying but I saw the results yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying like, nobody had to tell me yeah. I'm just looking like damn man don't I'm be surprised up. if you get what you work for you know what I'm saying and so and that's a, 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 a per, something that prepares you for life outside the ball yeah and when you think about how you're gonna transition what moves are you gonna make what ideas and systems are you gonna build you got the decisions. Are you going to wake up and do it? Yeah. Or are you going to stay on your ass and, and wonder about it? And you said earlier that you never saw yourself as a shallow player. And for me, I think that's key for the younger generation and even our generation to understand that being more than an athlete is, is something that's a, a mantra and, and promoted right now. Mm-hmm. But... It, to me, it, it was almost understood yeah. at a young age that yeah, sports is that's that's dope, that's cool. If you yeah. go make a million dollars, we love you. That's great. Yeah. But it was no pressure like you got to do this to save our family, or I don't want you to do nothing else but focus on playing ball. Yeah. But some people, it is that for a lot of them because. To be good at something like that, most people feel as though you have to treat it like that. You mm-hmm. have to go all in and nothing in the sense of like not preparing. What I see is, I don't think, and I don't think it's as malicious. I think what more so it is, is everybody 
around the player cause themselves making the player's life easier so that's all they have to do mm-hmm. and it's because they understand how stressful life can be so what they do is they take all these responsibilities on for the player and it's like you don't focus on anything else but that but there's an understanding that when you get there everybody's gonna be good mm-hmm. and that's how it should be it, there, there should be a, a, a small circle that has handled things from this point to that point that is more than looked out for in the sense of once you make it, like as far as getting them set up with, I'm not saying handouts, I'm saying getting them set up with businesses or yeah. giving them jobs or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There, there should be a small group that, that got you through that because at the end of the day, like being an athlete and being a good athlete and the way that college and pro show you that it's pretty much your life, there is yeah. no, you know what I mean? I'm not saying there's nothing because I was overseas, I was like writing scripts and shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have time, but you, you better, this is your fucking job. You know what I mean? So you yeah. better be good at it. Um, and in a sense, you, you want to have a circle with you once you reach that point. Exactly. Because <laughs> you don't want to be trying to find people at that point because it's too late. You don't know why people are coming to you. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying, I say all that to say is like, if, if they don't make it, mm-hmm. then what? Exactly. It's an investment that wasn't returned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, to me, it's, that's not good, bad, it's indifferent. That's the fucking reality. Like, you know what I mean? It's just people invested in you and it wasn't returned. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything, it's anything to be ashamed about. It's just a, to call it what it is, it's a gamble. You know yeah. what I mean? The whole, we're going to put all our chips on the kid to play sports route is a fucking gamble. Mm-hmm. But if so, you win... It's a lottery. Yeah. Jackpot. Yeah. Do you think that it's, it's really... It's a it's a gamble, but now that there's this NIL situation, yeah, and players are able to monetize their likeness, they're able to just make money in college. For me, that circle, it, it doesn't have to be so. It doesn't have to be set up in a way to where they feel like this is us getting handouts. This is us being leeches at all. Everybody can play a position especially at these large universities, right? So we got a family business, Alkaline Activated. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Alkaline Activated, sponsors for this podcast episode. But uh, you got to be able to really make sure that this is something that fits with whatever the athlete is doing because it takes a lot to play ball at a high level and go to class and think about trying to make some money. Yeah, You know, that's a lot. And yeah. so... Do you think that players had the capacity? What's well, two side question? Do you think players had a capacity to build off of the NIL? And on the flip side, do you think coaches want them to? Um, do I think the players have capacity? Yes, it's just because I know everywhere doesn't take basketball as serious as we did, and we still had. You didn't have time, time, but you had enough time to, to fucking take a phone call or sign a contract. You know what I mean? It ain't like mm-hmm. the city. Ain't like they asking you to fucking work another job. You know what I mean? You make an appearance every now and then. So yes, players definitely have the capacity as far as as long as people aren't asking for a crazy amount. Do I think the coaches want it? Fuck no. Um, <laughs> because now, because I'm caught what it is. If you're at a bad school, a school that's not winning, you're thinking. 
what do I have to sell these kids on? Mm -hmm. No one wants to sponsor the losers. So it kind of puts you at even that much more of a disadvantage. If you're at a good school, a school that's used to winning, you're thinking, I don't want these kids coming in here distracted about a fucking crop deal. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I don't want you to be concerned that, you know what I mean, the fucking frozen yogurt sponsor you had once you at this place. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? I want you to focus on both. Um, so it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull on both sides in, in different directions. Um, I but, think it also proves that coaches really don't give a fuck about nothing else but winning games. Oh, yeah, I mean, bro, it's their fucking job. And so you have the ones who are in it who are truly just competitors. Yeah. They just love to fucking win. They just love to hunt. And I love that I was around those titans. Mm -hmm. And then you have a slew of people who don't know what the fuck they would do with themselves outside of coaching basketball. Mm -hmm. And it's their fucking job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't, they don't know what the fuck else they would do. If you, yeah. if you told them they could not coach basketball, they would lose their shit. Like I said, you got the ones that are really truly in love with it and they go all out for it and they have passion for it and they understand. They also understand that it's their fucking job. Like, yeah. it's at the end of the day, if you're doing a job, you have an ambition, you want to do it well, especially if there's incentives. Mm -hmm. Motherfuckers are making millions of dollars a year. And anything that deters from that, that, no matter if it's of the highest moral cause, no matter if it's financially beneficial for yeah. you and your family, if it deters from winning, you probably don't have to get up out of here, playboy. Yeah, like, don't have to go to the pros or another program. But yeah. We can't be losing and you focused on you making money. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's an issue because. Oh, it's, it's, about, it's, about, <laughs> it's about to get ugly, Ooh. G. It's about to get. Because it's, it's no problem. It's no problem when they want to bring up education being the main thing. Yeah. If education is the main thing and. Athletics is secondary. I'm doing great in my academics. Yeah. Might be losing some games. Why, why, why are you trying to get me off the team, coach? Why, why are you trying to act like I'm a problem, G? Right. Like, if, if I, I can see if a guy is really a cancer to the team. Like, yeah. some cats going to go over the top, be too arrogant, be disrespectful. But if a guy has the opportunity to make money, and he can show his teammates how to make money in the same either opportunity, project, yeah. or whatever. And the team is making money. The coach is not going to be able to accept that fact if it doesn't align with them winning games, too. Yeah. And to me, that's a problem, G. Because it, it's, it's, it's not like programs really fall off from teams losing. I will say that they make more money when they're winning, but it's certain programs, certain teams, especially in Power Five conferences. Dude. They just know they're gonna be middle of the pack. You're gonna be middle of the pack. Yeah. Middle of the pack is mil billions of dollars, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And we're talking profit and revenue sharing at these tournaments, yeah. especially when you get into the the big time tournaments, the Final Fours, and all of that. So I say that to say if everybody is cool with eating. When middle of the pack, even lower, bottom of the pack, when the kids is eating and y'all still bottom and middle of the pack, don't act like the kids eating is the problem. Oh, yeah. No, that's, definitely <laughs> gonna be, that's definitely gonna have a lot of blame on it. For sure. For sure. But the coach is gonna be quick to say, oh, he's distracted. Oh, oh, he's got this going on. Oh, 
who's to say that that that's the factor that's stopping us from winning? Yeah. Speculation. I don't think it, when you say it's gonna get ugly, do you think that it's gonna be players getting taken advantage of or? I mean, shit, it already is something. The fuck is a bar still athlete? <laughs> 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 I ain't never heard of that. Exactly, exactly. Barstool went and signed a bunch of fucking kids and they ain't did shit with them yet. They just signed them just to fucking have them when NIL shit started. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's degrees to being taken advantage of. Like, there's somebody just using your image and not really giving you shit. They gave them, like, gear. You know what I mean? So, there's degrees to it. Is there going to be extreme examples? Probably, because there always is. You know what I mean? Like, somebody always has to take it to the extreme. I think there's going to be a lot of stories of people making a shit ton of money and fucking... It's going to be like that documentary broke uh. because, like I said, in certain situations, you're coming up, you get handed, you get handed X amount. You're 18, 19. Um, shit, look at the case might be way you're 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you got somebody around you who knows how to manage money, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Financial literacy is gonna be key throughout all of this, but it's such a it's such an opportunity for our communities, bro, because we can literally siphon so many resources back into our families and our communities if done properly. Having the right people that have business ideas, that have real estate, that have um, stocks, crypto, it's just so many things that college athletes then normally have or previously have access to that they can do now and it's changing the landscape bro for for you when i want to kind of wrap up with is 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 what you got going now man i know film is that's the vision Mm -hmm. what 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 are we doing to get towards the 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 full daryl Reynolds story of all right this is what i've i've mapped out and what i'm brainstorming to come to fruition um I've kind of given up on the planning it. You know mm. what I mean? I've, I've, I've given up on the this has to happen and that has to happen. There's several, there's several big things that I'm gonna do, um, but I've kind of like, all right, I just know those things. But as far as the ride there, I just, I just be along for it. Because um, mm. the planning shit, I don't know about you, but the more I get to my adult life, the more I realize that. Part of being an adult is, is understanding that shit's gonna happen that you can't control. And it happens more than ever as an adult because so much of it falls on your shoulders. Yeah. When we were kids, we had our parents and relatives to shelter from us. Um, so with this realizing of how much is truly out of my fucking control, it's like, why would I keep trying to plan shit when I know that it'll be you know, futile? You know what I mean? They keep trying to like, we study the fucking shit, but it's like, motherfucker, you just own the shit. You just own the shit. You trying to fucking, waves is coming, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Just deal, you know what I mean? Figure out how to live with it and move with it. Um, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm just doing what I want to do in the process of it as far as make sure you're working towards it. So, in the sense of the film, the writing part, um, I'm writing a book. I ain't gonna write a book. I'm pretty much finished this book. I'm getting it edited now. I release it later this month. Uh, the first that Monday before Thanksgiving, yeah. uh, November twenty second. It's called uh, "What If the World Stop Complaining About Mondays?" The one we got to self sufficiency, um, and I just you know what I mean. I was like, listen, I wanna I wanna throw this shit up, you know what I mean? Um, and let's see, you know what I mean? Let's let's see what it does. I'm, I'm big on 
exhausting yourself. The idea kind of came to me while I wasn't pulling. Actually, I started writing. I started realizing how many times I had to start over. Yeah. And I was like, all right, there has to be a set of rules that are keeping me afloat. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I keep having to start over and I keep figuring it out. What are those rules? And let me write them down so I don't forget them. And then as I wrote them down, I realized, oh, hold on, this is something that I could give to other people. And then I got a chance to do a TED Talk. I did the TED Talk on it. I realized people resonated with it. You I did like a real live TED Talk? Mm-hmm. It's called... Uh, what I was that like, bro? It's called I Can Move Mountains. It was... The training for it is crazy, man. Memorizing a speech that damn long is is is, is exhausting. Yeah. How did you even get so like much. lined up with that? It was They were hosting one at Villanova. I submitted the script. They mm-hmm. got picked. On me. You know what I mean? Um... But yeah, bro, I, I could send it to you, but... Yeah, I would love to send it out, bro. I, I did that thing. I think I, I did that, and once I realized people could digest the information I was giving them, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, let's do it for real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat down this summer, this previous summer, and I just just wrote, bro. Yeah. I just wrote. I'm putting it out now, you know what I mean? Like, And it's just it's these, these steps, these seven... I organize it through the days of the week. It's these seven steps that are like, this is the curriculum on getting and keeping your shit together. Because I want people to be self-sufficient. We're coming up on a time where like we were talking earlier, we was like everybody's having this individualized experience and kind of experiencing their own reality. It's not like it used to be. Like I think we really just started, I think we just hit like another marker in humanity the same way it did when like the Bible and you know the Torah and the Quran were being written. Like I really think we just, we don't understand it because we're in the middle of it, but like we really just lived through like a shift. Mm-hmm. You know, a huge shift in like the the history of humanity. It's the human experience. Exactly, for real though. Like for real. And this part of it seems to be a lot more individualized. You know what I mean? As opposed to, you know, when the church and the three big major religions were getting organized, everybody was like, Let's you know, we, we need we people need to get on the same page, people need to need to come together. Like you look at towards the end of if you say if that was the start of it, look at industrialization period, how much yeah. was built. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a lot of infrastructure being uh, brought up. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of enter the phase that feels like it's like spread out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everybody's kind of having this individualized experience mm-hmm. of their reality and you're seeing realities tailored to you through yeah. your social media, through, you know what I mean? Through your, your, your queue on the Roku or mm-hmm. Netflix. Like mm-hmm. everything is trying to it, everything is telling you to enjoy, 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 enjoy. So it's giving you what you want and yeah. not giving you perspective. Mm. I think it is very important. The reason I'm writing this book is, obviously I can't solve this problem on my own, but let me at least, you know, let me, contribute my, let me address it and contribute my two cents to it because I have yeah. two cents on it. Um, or two cents to give to it, shall I say. I got two cents. Sure. I, I got two cents to give to it. I got, I got two fucking uh, But seriously, I, I, I do believe in speaking up when you see certain things. Mm-hmm. We are coming up on a time of humanity where people are going to need to be self-sufficient yeah. because everybody is left to their own vices. Mm-hmm. Everybody's left to their own business. How many people are, are shit self? Like, if you're door dad, motherfucker, you are self-employed. If you do not get up and work, it does not happen. Sure. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, the level, the, the, the word entrepreneur since the 1980s has just grown to a point where it's overinflated. But, like, yeah. don't get it fucked up. Your ability to make it happen for yourself is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're coming from a time where people are seeing more than ever. So, it's like there's a delusion. But I really just wrote the book as a, a tribute to those transitional periods. Yeah. And, and how do you keep transitioning? You know what I mean? I don't really think it's so much a book about starting over 
or starting, I think it's more of a book of, of just transitioning mm -hmm. because people are, are so multifaceted nowadays. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's something that's always a good thing? Well, like, do you think that being multifaceted and yeah. what, what they call a polymath and being able to do just a multitude of things at a, all right, to high level, yeah. are you going to be as effective? What's your, what's your perspective on focusing on one thing and knocking that out versus a little bit here, a little bit here, and keep on building the mountain? As, as a motherfucker who is on the latter side of I'm all over the place, I am a huge advocate for do what fits you best. Mm -hmm. There is no one thing that I could focus on enough to just do that and excel at it. And when I felt like I was forced to do that with basketball is when I sucked the most. Mm. You know what I mean? When I think about high school, I think about uh, my, my short pro career. Uh, I think about high school, I think about prep school, I think about my short pro career. The reason why basketball felt so much better in those times than it did in college is because there were outlets. Yeah. I didn't have to just focus on one thing. When I mm. felt like I only had to focus on one thing, I feel fucking boggled down. Yeah. I say all that to say, and that's what this book talks about. Not to keep shame to fucking my shit. Not but plug it. Part, no <laughs> part of it is do what fits you best. If you're someone like me that's all over the place, okay. If you, you know, what I mean, we're trying to get a dozen eggs. All right, fuck it. You might have to go to three different hen houses. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And get and get four eggs from each of them. But as long as you get a fucking dozen, just get a dozen. Some somebody might only be in one, and that's their thing. They're gonna focus on one thing. They're gonna lock in on it. But with this individualized experience, I think the whole point of it is, and it's hilarious that the technology puts it right in our face where we still don't understand it because they all look the same, is figure out what works for you. Yeah. Your phone has your background that you like, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody else might have the exact same fucking iPhone. It might have made it on the factory on the same day on the same conveyor belt. Them iPhones might have been quote unquote born together. Yeah. But they ain't got your fucking background, your information on it. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like be you and mm -hmm. that to me is the biggest part of self-sufficiency. It's like accepting your motherfucking self. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and being true to who you are in yourself. And then from there, living life. And then instead of, of living life and reacting to every fucking thing that comes your way and everything you see, and I see this person do this, so let me do this. I see that person looks happy in the situation. Let me try to get that situation to be as happy. Nah, motherfucker, do you and let life move around you. You know what I mean? I yeah. think. If everybody is doing that, it kind of sounds chaotic, but what you really have is a sense of like raised harmony. Mm -hmm. And um, not to get religious, but that was what my faith had taught me. That was what faith in general taught me. There's a reason why everybody wanted to go to the church. There's a reason why Muslims make a pilgrimage to Mecca and, and go around seven times. There is a reason why you have synagogues and, and, and birthrights to Israel. There is something to be said about um, the concentration of energy amongst yeah. human beings because we are energy. You know what I mean? So if everybody is is living in harmony because they're living in their truth and their peace, mm. I feel like the world would just be a better place. Mm. And what this book is, is me throwing my two cents on that pile. I don't know how much it's going to cost to get there, <laughs> but I got two cents. So it's like, fuck it, let me put it. You know what I mean? Nah, that's love. Yeah, we definitely got to support the book. Um, I'm looking forward to it just because just the, the, the short amount of time I've known you, bro, I can already tell your perspective is is one that's is it's not closed minded, bro. I appreciate it. You're able to see life and 
it's important for us to know not only when to pivot, but how to pivot. Yeah. Because life is going to put you in the situations to reveal who you really are. Facts. And it's great to have a strong family, family foundation. I've heard you talk about your parents and grandparents throughout this podcast. Yeah. So it's, it's like, God bless you. man, it's, it's, it's something that we got to stay, keep as a priority. Yeah. The black family, just the black the black culture doesn't understand how important ownership has been and how it's been used to to keep us apart, how yeah. lack of ownership has not allowed us to live in our true essence and be in our nation. It relieves anxiety when you have that purpose when, you know, I I love playing ball, but ball ain't the only way I could change my family, you yeah. know? Ball ain't the only thing that's gonna give me an opportunity to be financially well off. Yeah. And even if it's something as simple as going for walks or something as creative as becoming an artist and drawing and painting, but you gotta have an outlet. Me, myself, that's why I created the basement. I wanted us to have a lifestyle business so that I don't feel like I'm getting up and going to work. Yeah. I feel like I'm serving the community. I feel like I'm providing something where we can all come and be ourselves. Yeah, we're still good. We're going to always be able to come to the basement and tap in and not really feel like, all right, I got to tighten up and act a certain way in the yeah. juice bar or I got to go somewhere where the, the, the drinks taste good, but they're not good for my body, for yeah. the nourishment of my soul, where yoga doesn't feel weird. It feels like, man, there's something just my people is doing. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's tapping in with us and, and building that community, dog. And I'm... I'm really appreciative of your time, bro. I appreciate it. And, and just sharing your story, G, because it's, it's times when outside looking in, people was like, man, Earl Reynolds probably just got it all figured out. You know what I'm saying? His life is good. He played at Villanova, bro. You know what I'm saying? Hats off. And people come up and, and just, just say things to me sometimes where yeah. it's like, bro, I'm not on the pedestal. Yeah, bro. you understand like, this shit is work. There, there is none of us that escape work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. Shit, LeBron James, you know what I mean? Like, it might be a different degree. You might not know what you're dealing with, but it's like, the human experience is work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This human experience on some level is a suffering, but the beauty of it is, is, is it can be prosperous. You know what I mean? You can be triumphant on this shit. It's just the first step is figuring you out. You know what I mean? You got to figure out what the fuck worked for you. You know what I mean? Like, and it seems egotistical, but it's hilarious because it's like, motherfucker, you are ego. You know, we all are technically an ego like you floated down from the fucking cosmos like all this shit is connected and this part of this part of the universe ended up in this one person like mm. that is the ego you don't have to be egotistical but you have to understand that you in a sense are one of one mm. you are unique you know what i mean like as you continue to break it down and zoom out yeah obviously it's a fucking it's seven billion of us on this motherfucker like but there is something to be said about people figuring out themselves like you said like for so long, we've been separated. We, we're we're a we're a tree that's been separated from the root. We, we ain't supposed to have everything figured out. You know what I mean? We are kind of lost in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, some of them roots ain't there no more. You know what I mean? So it's like we got to figure out where we gonna plant next, and where we gonna grow, and how we gonna be nurtured. Um, but I, I like to think through people like you, through missions like how have you put together here, and 
living out your life in this and people just being aware of this type of shit, we're going in the right direction. That's love, bro. That's love, right. man. So we're going to wrap with it there. Shout out to our sponsors, Realist Wear Brand. It's not just a brand, it's a fact. Of course, we already shouted out Alkaline Activated, man. What you think about the smoothies? Oh, that shit was fire. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on, G. To the audience, next week, we got another episode. Um, we're going to have live episodes streaming pretty much daily from now on. A candid conversation. So if you ever want to pull up, have a drink, light up, we're going to have a good conversation and really build, man. So um, appreciate y'all building with us this week. To the next time, we're going to double up.